You're listening to a special episode of the Doggeritaville podcast. Come unleash and unwind as we invite other dog professionals to our yappy hour. Here are guests from the show by picking not only the beverage, but their favorite dog topic as well. So grab a yummy cocktail, get comfy in your best chair, and join us for a chat. And as always, welcome to Doggeritaville. Welcome to the Doggeritaville Yappy Hour, where we unleash and unwind with other dog professionals. Our Yappy Hour guest today is Dylan Beckelman, a professional dog trainer currently in Quebec. And Dylan, welcome to Doggeritaville. Welcome indeed. How are you, Lily? I am doing great. Thank you. Excellent. Um, so for our listeners, Dylan and I met through Brett, who was on our first yappy hour and we had a zoom call to talk about like a bunch of stuff. I think primarily separation anxiety and then puppies. I don't remember what else, um, but it was obvious to me then that you just were super smart, had a ton of knowledge. It seems like you have a lot of years in the industry, although I don't know that for sure. Um, and then after like internet stalking you, it was confirmed, like you have a ton of information and knowledge. So I'm really excited for you to be here today. Likewise, likewise. I look forward to hashing it out, Lily. I, I love the business that you have and uh, anything that we can share, more than happy to do that. Awesome. Yeah. So first things first, tell us about the Yappy Hour beverage that you chose. Okay. So I chose a classic favorite that I absolutely love and it's just because of the taste. Um, I'm a super taster. I don't know if you know what that is, um, but I'm like the worst one on the face of the earth, which means I have like extra taste buds. And the problem is I hate everything. So that wasn't a good thing for me. So what I chose was it's 7-Up with Dr. McGillcuddy's Butterscotch Caramel. And it is to die for. I mean, every time I take a sip, I can't help but like it. Like the Gordon Ramsay, like, oh my God, this is so good. And <laughs> I could like drink way too much of this. It's delicious. It definitely tastes like, I don't know if you've been to Harry Potter world, but it tastes no. like the butter beer that they serve you there. <laughs> I'm, I'm going next year. So yes. uh, I, I promised my girlfriend, I'm like, we're, we're going to go, we got to go. And I really want to try it. Awesome. I'm so excited. Yeah. Are you going to Orlando or uh, Los Angeles? Uh, we're going to be going to both. Actually. Uh, I actually plan on doing a tour of the U S uh, in the fall, starting in the fall in October. Uh, okay. We're going to do the whole East coast, South coast, all that kind of stuff. And um, I'm actually going to meet a lot of dog trainers along the way, offer some dog training seminars and stuff like that. So I'm really looking forward to it. What are you drinking? Uh, I just made what you made. Ah, you get nice. to pick, you know, nice, so, nice. Good, yeah. good, good. So um, the first segment that we have, we named it a little bit aggressively. I don't know if you've listened to our podcast yet, but we're just like both really aggressive people. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the segment is who do you think you are and what gives you the right? Mm. Um, and basically, we're just going to talk to you about who you are and what your qualifications are. So um, do you want to okay. tell us who you are in the dog world? So like, what's your business? For sure. Uh, so basically what I do right now, I just offer online dog training. It was something I said I didn't really want to do if all the information wasn't transferring well. I've been a dog trainer for nine years now. So it was just like, you know, I know I've, I can do this. I just want to make sure that this is actually transferring well. Um, so I'm just offering that for right now. Uh, TikTok's been helping a lot with that. And I've loved being able to help people from all over. And I'm a 30-year-old dog trainer who got, who's just been passionate about dogs all their lives and really all animals. So I was glad I was just able to pursue a career that was uh, a huge passion of mine. That's awesome. And then you mentioned yeah. that um, in Maine, you had a business with your brother. Yes. So um, how did you both get into dog training? Excellent question. 
So th this tails more into like how I got into everything, but to keep that short and sweet, uh, I ended up going to Starmark Academy down in Texas, which is a dog training school. It's accredited. So you actually get a certification and all that good stuff. And uh, you can even get like a student loan for it, uh, which is what I ended up having to do. So. And is this Starmark like the collar, like the same company? Yes, exactly. Okay. That's where they, where they come from. Yep. And the Bobalot, uh, yeah, the Bobalot and a lot of the toys that are there are actually made by Starmark as well. Um, nice. They have like the football and a bunch of others. But um, but yeah, so I went to Starmark in the fall of 2014 to start. And I'd worked with dogs before then and everything. But I went in 2014, graduated 2015. And then after I had just kind of started dabbling in dog training, not doing it full time because I was kind of staying humble about it, wasn't trying to jump right into things. And that summer, um, I, I did dog training and I worked with my brother who was fresh out of the Air Force. And once I started telling him about what I was doing, he was like, man, that sounds like an absolute dream job. Is there a way that I can do that? You know, and he thought about it, he thought about it. And I was like, yeah, dude, you can do whatever you want. And he's like, okay, cool. He came back to me a week later and was like, so like, seriously, like, are you going to like, is it okay if I do? I'm like, dude, I don't own dogs. There's plenty of dogs go around <laughs> and I'd love to work with you and actually like make something of it for, for both of us. You know, I want us both to be happy doing what we love. Um, cause he, he was specializing in utilities coming out of the air force and he wasn't crazy about that. And Starmark actually accepts the GI bill. So any military veterans out there who don't know what to do or, you know, are very passionate about dogs and maybe want to train them, you can actually use your bill at the school. So he ended up doing that. And that's pretty much what brought us together after he graduated in 2015, I think again, the next year after he graduated, we immediately jumped right into buying a house and starting our business. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, really yeah. cool. Really cool. Yeah. Um, so who are you when you're not working with dogs? So when I'm not working with dogs, I am a closet hippie adventure nut. I'm an adrenaline junkie and, uh, I love just being outside and uh, getting as much out of life that I possibly can. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great answer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in getting the most out of life and, uh, you know, not, uh, not leaving with any regrets. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Same. I'm, I'm a nomad at heart. And then I married someone who really needs roots. Um, so we're <laughs> like constantly working that out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Balance is everything. Balance is everything. Yep. Um, so do you have any personal dogs? Uh, yeah, I have two. Uh, well, technically one is mine and one is my girlfriend's. Uh, I have my girl, Skylar, who came with me to Starmark. Actually, when she was six months old, uh, I rescued her from down south. Literally, that's a whole story in and of itself. Then our other dog is my girlfriend's Boston Terrier, who is seven years old. Yes. Which I was like, I never want a brachycephalic dog. I can't handle that. <laughs> <laughs> and all that but you know he's he's definitely grown on me and then i don't have a problem with him and he's a little spitfire so he's always fun to work with and uh, and train as well that's so funny yeah you know, skylar's uh skylar's an american staffordshire terrier or a, or a pit bull if you will cute is mm. did she have like a dna test that came back like mixed or no i never did the dna test a lot of even my clients that got it done were like this is insanely inaccurate and a lot of people that i spoke with because we knew someone at starmark who had actually uh like gone and visited the company and they were like 
wait a little bit because like they only get better with time so like don't try and get it like asap because they were just starting to come around i think in like 2014-15 or so but skylar has literally all the markings the size and everything of an american staffordshire terrier she's not too tall like an american pitbull terrier she's not too short and stubby like a staffordshire terrier she's right mm-hmm. in the middle okay she yeah. sounds really cute <laughs> yeah, yeah she's adorable. i love her already <laughs> yeah yeah um, and so then you already touched on this a little bit, but how did you get where you are today? So what took mm. you from Starmark to being where you're at now? With Starmark, after I got out of there, what I, what I loved about Starmark is it gave me the confidence to immediately jump into dog training, not necessarily full time, but go, hey, look, here's how you can rehabilitate dogs. You know, you're now a certified behavior specialist and certified dog trainer, so you can handle these things. But I was never satisfied with everything that I got. I always wanted more. I wanted to understand the dogs on a much, much deeper level. So from Starmark, I knew that it my path had just begun. And and I'm a firm believer in never really having a full cup when it comes to dog training and dog knowledge. You're a constant student. We're learning more and more every month now of different things to try, more about the dog and how detailed their emotional systems are, the personalities that they can have, all that kind of stuff, which just absolutely fascinates me. So from Starmark, I didn't realize, like, because in Maine, it's very, very isolated. There's a lot of woods, a lot of rural areas, and we have one big city, Portland. And um, I actually met Jay Jack there. I don't know if you know who that is. Um, I don't. He, he runs Next Level Dogs out of Maine. And he actually invented GRC, which is a dog sport that was kind of geared towards bully breeds uh, because it has a lot of sports for them, like spring pole, weight pole, treadmill, and, and some obedience as well. Uh, it's a really, really cool thing. But anyways, I got to connect with him. And he was like, yeah, man, there's so much you can learn around here. And there's seminars like all over the country. And I was like, what seminars? There's that's a thing. He's like, oh, yeah, dude. Like here, I learned from this guy, Ivan Balabanov. You should check him out. And then, of Mm -hmm. course, I just, oh, my God, Ivan Balabanov. Oh, my God, he's incredible. Blah, 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 blah. And then immediately went to his seminar. Uh, I want to say the first time he came to Maine. Um, but that wasn't my first one because my first one was with uh, Chad Mackin and Sarah Dixon. Uh, I don't know if you know who they are. Uh, more bigger names that have been around for a while. Uh, I, I had a lot of Google all these people. <laughs> well, I was going to say, um, Jay Jack and Chad Mackin used to have their own podcast. That was great. They're both very philosophical and agreed on a lot of things and disagreed on a lot of things. And I loved hearing what they uh, brought to the table because they shared a lot of wisdom. Um, I, I believe they're still not doing it and they've, they're doing their own things now. But um, no, it was really cool to learn from them. And it really just kind of opened up my eyes to all the different opportunities of different people that I can learn from. Because you can go to seminars for socialization, separation anxiety, aggression, fear, doggy daycares, if you want to open that up and run that, and different business ideas. And so from Starmark to now, I've been to over about, I think, 12 or 13. And from guys and girls all over the world. Um, and it's just been an absolute pleasure learning from all these people. And uh, the biggest learning uh, learned lesson was starting my own business, which was Green Dog Academy. And we opened that up in uh, 2016. Nice. It, does your brother still run that in Maine? Uh, or? No. So when I came to Quebec, my brother actually ended up moving to Texas and he works at Starmark now. He's actually one of the head instructors there. That's awesome. Wow. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't write this down. Um, Hopefully you don't mind me going off script here. Um, But what what do you mostly do? Like, do you have a specific thing that you like to specialize in? 
Not necessarily. However, I do love to work with behavior mod cases. I love working with dogs that are either just, again, you got the two spectrums of fear and fear and aggression. And both of these are both dangerous situations for the average dog owner to be in. Mm. And I don't like the feeling of them being stuck in their home dealing with this and not knowing what to do. And there are, and, and honestly, this is like the difference with all dog owners is, and I respect anyone to do whatever they want. It's your life, do what you want. But if you are committed to helping your dog, help is out here mm. and it wants to work with you. If you're going to put in the work, I want to work with you. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it never gets old with the um, feedback you get from people where they're like, oh my God, I can't believe that, you know, Chucky doesn't react to bicycles anymore, or he's not, he's not dragging me down the road, or he stopped attacking my husband or me, or he can now play with other dogs. I never thought this was possible. I never thought I could walk them again. And now I'm not living in fear and not walking around in anxiety. And it's like, that's, it's not how anyone should be living their life, dogs included. You know, it's, there's another side to this. And, um, and just helping people with that is always a blast. But I will say, when I was running Green Dog Academy, my favorite day was Friday because it was Puppy Fridays. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we did a confidence course, putting on different outfits, all that kind of stuff, which I know you'd noticed. And uh, that was always a blast. The little puppies are so ready to be molded into great dogs. And it's like, guys, I want to teach you so much with your puppy that you don't need my help ever again. Yeah. Ever again, you're going to know how to handle everything and go from here. And that's, that's a big thing that a lot of dog owners, I feel like they don't really grasp a lot of the times. It's like, oh, it's not a big deal. It only grows. It can, it it can get worse. And even just, even that subtle like pull away of like, whoa, I'm not sure. You'd be surprised what that turns into later. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so yeah, for our listeners, um, I think Laura and I have both expressed in the past that we're just like not built for virtual sessions. Like I do them sometimes for more straightforward things, but if someone, like I just had someone reach out to me the other day, cause her dogs weren't getting along. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. if I'm not there in person, I, I just can't do it. I don't know why mm-hmm. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, mm-hmm. if you have reached out to me and I've said, I can't do it, Dylan's doing it. Um, yeah. so get a hold of him. Absolutely. Love to help you. Okay, so let's get into the meat of this episode, which is kids and dogs. Um, so I was really excited to see your series on this on TikTok. Um, you yeah. started talking about what to do when you're expecting a baby and you have a dog. It's so important. And Laura and I will never, ever talk about it. So I'm really <laughs> excited to have you here to talk about it. No, my um, pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. So let's dive into how to have dogs and kids at the same time. Right. So, so one of the biggest things in my series that I talk about is the prep work that goes into before you have the child, right? Because there's always things that you can do as far as preventative measures, things to think about. And one of the biggest things that happens when you are going to have a baby is you immediately start changing the environment, right? You start building cribs, you start buying things for the baby. And a lot of people buy in advance. I go, great, buy it and set it up bring it out in the living room. If you're going to shift around the living room and specific furniture like that, do that. If you're going to have a baby room, set it up. And with the baby room, I would recommend not necessarily letting the dog go in there. And a lot of what happens with people that have kids and they have dogs is that, and as a dog trainer, 
being responsible for advocating for dogs and keeping people safe, I always err on the side of caution and I'm never going to be lackadaisical about anything because I, like I say on TikTok a hundred times, it's true. I have horror stories and I don't want you to live those. I don't want any accidents happening, even with the best intentions or, oh no, they're doing great yet. Well, you just don't know. You don't know. Right. So it's always better to take things slow, not force interactions. And again, prepare the dog. Right. So if you're going to be bringing a baby in the home, you always want to do as much as you can to expose them to sights, smells, and sounds. Just these three basic things are one of the most important things you can harp on to show the dog. Hey, sometimes, and I I even did this in one of my TikToks where I said, hey, grab a blanket, roll it up. And Brett was like, go get a fake baby. And I was like, dude, (laughs) yes, yes, get a fake baby. Yes. And and start to show them that picture of, look, I'm going to be walking around with this. Right. And and even another tip I gave too was for, for mothers. I was like, look, you know, sometimes the dogs tend to bond a lot with, with moms because they're very maternal naturally. Mm -hmm. Right. So I go, look, you know, this is going to be one of the hardest things I'm going to recommend to you, but it is going to be good to kind of ignore your dog a little bit more. You Mm -hmm. might be more intensively involved with the child and that's just how it's been for, for a long time. So the more you're able to do these little things, the more it's going to help the dog transition when it happens instead of just like out of nowhere, boom, baby's home, get out of the room leave us alone. You can't come near me. And you don't know what that is. And you're clearly already afraid. And you've never heard noises like this. And you're scared or you're barking at the baby, right? We we don't want that to happen. So again, the sight showing you're going to be holding, again, you can roll up a blanket and carry it around like a baby. Um, Make sure the dog's able to kind of keep their distance because their dogs are naturally inquisitive, curious, and you don't want them to be too pushy about it, right? And every dog's different. Some dogs learn to demand and can be really pushy. The other thing you can do, which is huge, is the smell of the baby. The the second that baby is born, and I know in the hospital a lot of the times they're like, all right, get out of here. It's like, (laughs) get a blanket on that baby, get the smell down and have either, uh, you know, the grandparents, a family member or the husband bring that home and let the dog smell. Mm -hmm. And throughout all these interactions, it's good and important to give feedback, right? Good. Yes. And you can even start to use the child's name. Because dogs form associations and bonds with literally everything in the environment and every one. And the sooner you start introducing names and smells and sights, these are the things that gets the dog to actually be a lot less reactive, unsure. And this also goes back to uh, YouTubing baby noises. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the screams. It's, it's just the all different noises little, you know, burping noises, whatever, you name it, right? All these little things that you want to kind of desensitize them to are all really, really, really important. It's, it's kind of giving me the same vibe as like preparing your dog for when you go back to work after the pandemic. Like it's like another form of separation anxiety, except that you're still in the house. Like that might even be harder. <laughs> you are 1000% right. And, and another thing I talked about a lot about, which, which kind of should have preceded the series is there some skills you want to teach your dog before you have the baby? Because it's it's not necessarily going to be enough to always go, well, I want the dog to move away from me now when, it ha- when I have something it's tempted by and it wants to investigate, right? Yeah. Dogs have their own free wills and drives. They're sentient beings. They want to be involved in certain situations and they're going to be very inquisitive. So it's like, well, this is why we want to work on certain skills prior to, to be able 
to get the dog to know to move away or even just do place for a little bit. Just, just little stuff like that really helps to go a long, long way. Yeah. So would you recommend things like, you know, if you have a chair that you're planning to sit in a lot, like having a QB, when I sit in this chair, you go to your place. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like people with the doorbell, like going to place and stuff like that. This is a great response. Great response. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then once, once baby comes home, obviously like there's a difference between preparing for that and then it actually happening. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so do you have things just from your experience that like people run into when they bring their baby home, even if they've been kind of trying to prepare? Yeah, absolutely. Again, all the prep work is never going to do anything bad for the dog. And the dog can still understand that like, whoa, those noises on YouTube are not the same as whatever this little midget thing is. What is this? What is this? Right. So we need to show it that, hey, look, no matter what's going on in here, you still need to be able to keep your distance from us, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the times, again, people just assume, oh, it's going to know that it's part of the family. You know, I had a big belly and now here comes the baby and the dog's afraid, right? The dog yeah. wants to keep its distance. I don't necessarily have a problem with that because over time they'll get better about it. And there are things you can do to help curb that. And obviously never leaving the two alone together is a huge one, making sure your dog's not jumping up on the counters or tables or anything like that. And again, the classic thing that a lot of people love to do is they bring the baby home and they set it down on the floor and then just let the dog check it out. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, exactly. My skin's crawling just every time I see these videos and I'm like, okay, I know this is like a happy, good moment, but other people are going to try this. And when you have a dog that has fearful tendencies, highly emotional, short nerves, all it takes is a little kick of the foot for them to go, whoa, what was that? Right? Right. And they might let out a little correction, a little nip or something. And now there's already some conflict between its association with this new, new entity in the home. Right. right. So it's, it's all about slow acclimation, slow, slow, slow acclimation. So do you have any tips about, I'm just envisioning like what would happen if I brought a baby home into my house? Like, mm -hmm. um, I feel like, you know, despite all of the prep work that we might try to do, there's still yeah. a level of curiosity that my dogs would not feel satisfied about. Right. Yeah. Like, do you have any tips about how to satisfy that curiosity while keeping everybody safe? Yeah. I mean, hands down leash leash inside is going to be the one thing that's actually going to keep the dog back no matter what even if the dog's pulling and wants to get to them with time that'll start to subside right and then you're going to be able to do some slow socialization with just some distance you know two to three feet again what is the dog doing seeing the baby smelling the baby hearing the baby that is one of the easiest ways that you can be able to actually control the dog in that instance the other stuff that I'll start to kind of implement is again, having deliberate sessions of hanging out with the dog and being able to manage the dog with baby gates to be able to claim certain spaces and not have it be so intensive all the time, yeah. which again, the skills, if you teach them prior to, you're not going to have to deal with as much of that, but using a leash and baby gates for the dog are going to be great. Don't leash the child, but you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So uh, do you have anything to say about a family who is considering getting a new dog when they already have kids? So for me, it really depends on the age. You know, if there is a young child, like if there is a, if there is a baby and they want to bring a new dog into the home, that's, that's again, another thing that the dog is coming into an environment that's already kind of established. 
but the dog is first trying to figure out when they come into that home, okay, who controls the environment? Who controls the environment? I, you know, who, who's going to tell me what's okay, what's not okay. Otherwise I'm going to assume it's all free reign or again, depending on their personality and their state of mind, they're going to be like, I'm not trying anything. I want to keep my distance. Right. So in that instance, dog on the leash is always going to help with this because they're going to, you're going to be able to have immediate control and you're going to be able to show the dog, Hey, this is what the house is like. This is our normal routine with this because people tend to get in a lot of routines with their child. And that's great. And with routine, everything becomes predictable for the dog and easy to understand. Oh, okay. When I'm, when mom's in that chair, I'm on place or doing what doing X, Y, and Z. Right. So anytime bringing a dog into that home, I want to know as much as I possibly can about that dog, especially like if it's a foster or anything like, Hey, could you play some baby noises for it? I'm just curious to see how it responds to it. And even then, even then it's still something that with babies in general, that you're going to watch the baby grow up. So they're not necessarily going to have this immense fear 24 seven, right? Because mm -hmm. they're going to be able to see and realize, okay, it is a part of the family. Oh, and it's getting bigger, right? It's growing. And again, Parents are having a huge responsibility here, taking care of both of the child and the dog, mm -hmm. right? Everything yeah. falls on their shoulders to maintain responsibility and safety, right? And so that is something that cannot be underestimated. Again, it's not worth being lackadaisical about things. For me with babies, again, another slow operation when it comes to young children, the first thing we're doing is we are teaching the kids my number one rule with children and dogs. And that is you never invade the dog's personal bubble, which mm -hmm. I like to define as like a three foot radius that surrounds the dog. You okay. never enter that bubble under any circumstance. And again, too, people go, well, I don't want my dog to never get affection from the kids and I want them to bond. Yeah, that's great. They never go into their space. What you do is a rule of what I like to call 60-40, where you can move 40% of the way there, and that is right at, the edge of that, right at the edge of that three foot bubble, and then you can call the dog to you, and if the dog does want to receive affection or have that social moment with them, it will go up and engage, and they're able to pet and everything like that. But teaching the kids is honestly way more important than even teaching the dog, because with yeah. the dog they're going to give you obvious signs, whether they're comfortable or uncomfortable with the children, right? Every dog's different. I've had labs petrified of children and people. And I mean, I've had, you know, I'm trying to think of a dog that's generally not good with kids, but they, they generally pretty are uh, pretty much are, but a really fearful rescue dog. You know what I mean? That maybe was yeah. abused by kids or like has never seen a kid before. Yeah, exactly. They don't know what it is. Right. So it really all depends on all those factors. But again, leashing the dog and teaching the children, these things are going to go miles, 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 and miles. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So I like the bubble rule um, because the dog still will invade your child's space and ask for pets, you know, <laughs> like, of course, like no, they're of never course, gonna, never going to interact. Exactly. Um, the rules that I've created for children, I have never been interested in children of any sort. Um, yeah, and yeah. so I like, don't have a lot of experience with children, but yep. right now I work with puppies and oftentimes yep. they're going home to families with children. Yep. And so I've created some rules for those families. And one of yeah. the rules is if the dog is moving away from you, you don't follow it. 
Mm-hmm. And then another rule that we have is only one hand on the dog at a time. Yeah, so never nice. two hands. That's a great so we're not one. Yeah. ever hugging or restraining or whatever. It's all these details. Exactly. How yeah. to pet properly, how you can tell the dog's enjoying it and not enjoying it. Right. Yep. Excellent rules. And then just as a personal anecdote, one of my dogs, she had another family first who is super nice. They're a really great family, but they have young kids. Mm. And the reason that they were rehoming my dog is because she was aggressive with children. She was 14 weeks old. Um, And so I was like, okay, so there's something going on here. So like, just for the listener, if your young puppy is quote unquote aggressive with children, it is almost a hundred percent of the time because your children are invading the puppy space. Exactly. Yep. So that's just an example of what can happen if Mm -hmm. we are not careful with these rules is you could need to rehome your dog. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Nope. Exactly. I I'm actually dealing with a client right now who bless her soul. She, she fosters dogs, but she's communicating with a mother who has a young son that terrorizes her golden puppy mm-hmm. and it's the same case literally she goes well this golden's going crazy attacking my son and then the foster is kind of going well look here's here's the reality of the situation i've seen the videos i've seen the dog interact with the child i've seen the child interact with the dog dog is not aggressive and i think it would just be best for the dog to get out of that home because again the rules are not being put in place rules right. are so good for kids and dogs because it helps to give them both a sense of security. Yeah. It's, it's the most foundational thing that I try and explain to a lot of my clients in in the relationship they have with their dogs is that they literally go, when they come into your home, they go, who controls the environment? Mm. Who? And so often people get like, Oh, here's your food. Here's your water. Do you think it's no big deal? There's no, there's no, no in this house. Right. And then that's where the dog goes. Sweet. It's my playground. Let's do this. And you're like, okay. <laughs> and they're, now they're, they're counter surfing and now they're <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and dogs are naturally territorial, gregarious predators or social predators. Right. So you can expect a lot out of that. And, and this is why, I don't know, you've seen on some of my TikToks, I talk about dogs coming into maturity. Right. And that's something that parents need to think about too, is that your dog can and could change drastically or slightly between the ages of two and three, mm-hmm. right? What they may have been comfortable with before, they may not be now. They could have been yeah. very tolerant with the child earlier and now they're not. And I've had this happen to a lot of clients that have come to me. Why now? Why now? Well, to try and sum it up quickly is that when dogs reach adulthood, they now actually start to practice more aggressive social maneuvers because this is what they've been doing for thousands of years. They Mm -hmm. go, Oh, now that I'm an adult, I either need to start my own family or I need to establish myself within the family. They're social status seeking creatures. And this is something that we know in ethology and that I've studied a lot on because it's again, just fascinating to me. Um, So that's something to be aware of and, and even kind of prepare for. Yeah. That's really interesting. Okay. So getting a new dog when you have kids, we covered that. And, oh, you know what? I do kind of want to backtrack if you don't mind. Um, I thought of another question to ask for like the baby period. So um, this is not something that I have studied, but I have guesses about it. And I want to hear what you think. Um, So oftentimes people consider their dog to start being a lot more protective when they get pregnant or have a baby. Oh, and I'm uh, yes. wondering what your thoughts are about that. <laughs> uh, that is so again, I, for me, and that's the thing, whenever I do dog training, do dog training, what? whenever I train dogs and people, I always make notes of breed types and their kind of 
um, predictive responses in certain social situations or factors in the environment and in the family. And I mean, I, I want to say this is 90% true for all German shepherds. All okay. German shepherds, this happens. Like this just happens. Um, but it's not limited to just shepherds. And it is very, very much a thing because some dogs, whether it's a male or female, they have paternal and maternal instincts where they start to feel like, whoa, okay, we have a youngling, a part mm -hmm. of the part of the quote unquote pack family, right? And they start to go, okay, this thing cannot defend itself. I'm very aware. You take care of it. It's helpless. It crawls around just like puppies do. And their instincts start start to kick in where they're like, this is, this is now serious time, right? Mm -hmm. We really got to protect this thing. This is the, this is the progeny. We have to let them, I'm getting too sciencey, but we got to <laughs> let them, we got to pass on these genes, right? It's, it's all instinctual. Um, so it's very, very common. Uh, it is something that um, can very much happen. And again, one of the biggest things I teach my clients when I'm dealing with this is that the best thing you can teach your dog in these instances is that they don't need to do that. You will take care of, quote unquote, protecting the territory, the home, the environment, the child, right? Mm -hmm. And this goes back to teaching those skills where you're able to actually implement that so that you can actually show the dog socially, hey, I've got this. I've got this. You don't need to do that. Because again, some dogs take on that natural protection aspect. Isn't this nothing inherently wrong with that? By the way, I'm a super lightweight, so I'm, I'm already starting to feel a little tingle in my fingers. Excellent. Um, <laughs> but it's not that they, they, they don't necessarily need to do this because it can actually put a lot of stress on dogs. It can make them very mm -hmm. anxious, very reactive to every little thing because now they're like, oh, my job is now like up here. It's like serious world now. Like, let's, let's get into this. And it's like, okay, do you make good decisions in these instances? Is, is grandma really someone you need to bark at and potentially attack? No, no, you're taking this too far. Like, and, and again, people are like, oh, I love that they're protective. Yeah. Okay. Can you control it? Can you turn it off? Can you <laughs> right. turn it on? Can you turn it off? Right. Because if you can't turn it off and you can't control it, but you like that, that is for me, the American analogy I like to give is that's a gun that can walk around and pull its own trigger. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I don't like that at all. And that potential is very much there. I want my dog to think that I'm going to protect them more than they're going to protect me. Always, mm -hmm. always. Even if I have a protection dog, which my next one will be. Um, yeah, that's, you know, I was so excited to see your series and, and have this topic for the podcast because it is really important. And Laura and I, I mean, we're just, neither of us are kid people. We're never going to talk about it, but like yeah. it takes half a second for something tragic to happen. Oh yeah. So like, this is so important. <laughs> Absolutely. Couldn't be under. And that's why I was like, I can't believe no dog trainers are talking about, you know how many views that first video got over 300,000. Wow. I was like, wow, no one's really talking about this. Like this practically went viral. I couldn't believe it again. And that's why I was saying earlier, I really err on the side of caution because the internet shows so many cute, good interactions with dogs that yeah. they don't know the horror stories and they just assume that, oh, dogs are just naturally good with kids. No, no, not all of them are, you know? And, and so it's always better to just, again, be careful instead of lackadaisical. Yeah, definitely. Someone's got to talk about it, you know? Yeah. And it's you. Mm. So it's really interesting to me because what, what I would have guessed is that you're like more viewing your dog as protective because everything is changing. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I'm like, I'm interested that, that you're like, no, actually like dogs could definitely get more protective. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, in fact, I had a dog do that the other day um, where it wasn't towards people, but it was towards other dogs. And I mean, this dog was running through an electric fence to go attack another dog. And that dog was not even reacting, just walking through the territory. And, and this dog we had trained, worked with and everything. And he's very reliable, but instincts, they take over, they take yeah. over. Right? So if you, if you're in that situation, like if you're bringing home a baby and your dog is suddenly attacking grandma or whatever, Again, I have guesses about this, but would love to hear like your thoughts. So mm-hmm. my instinct would be to just like implement some really rigid boundaries with the dog. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else like that you can give us tips on? There's a lot of ways that dog trainers work with dogs and people. And, and some of them just rely heavily on micromanaging the dog with implied stays and obedience. And there is nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. However... There are huge beneficial side effects that come with it. So, for example, having a really rigid place stay that's, I mean, like bomb proof. If you're able to just get that down, you can show your dog so much in so many different social situations of, hey, I've got this. You're back here far away from the door and you see me going to the door, hugging. You know, I say who's coming in the door. You know who it is at that point. So the anxiety is remotely alleviated. If it's not, and you're like, I'm in go mode, you're still staying. And I'm able to actually show you, hey, look, I'm welcoming them into the territory, hugging, shaking hands, giving kisses, whatever. And the dog starts to realize, oh, okay, they're not necessarily a threat. Like, no, they're not. And guess what? I'm going to handle people coming over. That's not your job. And that is one of the most subtle things that a lot of dog owners let their dog get away with, which is the barking when someone shows up, Yeah. but it doesn't stop. It's continuous. And then like when I come over and I'm like, yeah, has you ever been anyone? They're like, no. I'm like, you think you would? They're like, no, I don't think so. And I just look at him and he takes one step back and I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. You sure about that? They're like, yeah. I go, okay, watch. I take one step towards him. The dog's like, oh, I'm like, oh, see, see what I mean? He's not comfortable. He's not, right. he, he's not sure about me. And he's like, I got to, I got to watch this guy. Right. And, and especially with like the herding breeds, cattle dogs, border collies, they follow the people around that move in the environment. The second you get up, they bark at you. These are the little things that I'm like, guys, this is, these are red flags. These are red flags. Um, Awesome. Okay. So last question that I have on kids and dogs. So if we have someone listening who is maybe in a tight spot, like their kids already have a weird relationship with their dog. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of tips would you give to them if they have a relationship that need to, needs to be mended? Excellent. So this is all about sharing experiences together that the dog finds beneficial. With these situations, I'm not necessarily having the child get involved. Like, for example, if the dog loves to play with a specific toy or ball or whatever, I'm not off the bat going to have the kid start doing that with the dog. It's going to be the parent is playing with the dog and the kid is there next to the parent, maybe two or three feet away at a distance or behind. And then they're able to get closer and closer and closer. Again, slow desensitization to realize, oh, this kid's not trying to take my favorite thing. And like, as uncomfortable as I am, they're not forcing anything on me. So sharing playtime, sharing hangout time. 
again, this is kind of like with the baby where the dog has their personal space being respected. The child has their personal space being respected and everyone's hanging out together. They're not necessarily both on the ground next to each other. The kid can be sitting on the chair or on the couch and the dog is two, three, four feet away. I'd say three or four feet away just to, again, respect those boundaries. And they're not doing anything to each other. They're not asking anything. And that's a lot of what dogs want when they are uncomfortable with a child or vice versa. Yeah. So in those instances, I, I handle it differently. Another great one is going for a walk together, hmm. right? I can have, you can have the dog on one side, the child on the other, and you and walking kind of accesses that slight understanding of migrating together. Oh, we're going somewhere together, right? And hmm. this is another form of bonding. Uh, a lot of people immediately like to jump to feeding the dog. I'm not big on that either. You know, um, I will, I will, however, have the child throw treats every now and again, where again, the dog's not just trying to come right up to them and access them to go, Hey, give me that food faster kid. Right. Cause in that case, generally the kid's going to be more uncomfortable than the dog. Yeah. Right. And again, that these are the two biggest scenarios, either the kid's afraid of the dog or the dog's afraid of the kid. And I'm going to handle them both differently, but these are the things you can start to see and understand and go, okay, how can we better this faster? Well, they each respect each other's space. Anytime there's something fun to do or something that they both find pleasurable, they're not invading each other's spaces, but they're there together. Right. Sharing so space. So you're, you're more focusing on practicing ignoring each other. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like being in the same space and ignoring exactly. each other. Exactly. And, and, and this helps with tolerance, you know, and just tolerating mm-hmm. each other being within the same space because a lot of dogs are going to go, I want to remove myself. I don't want to be anywhere near that. And the dog needs to learn, look, He's not coming to touch you or she, and they're not trying to force it. You guys can just share space. And then this is what helps to build trust. Oh, okay. You're not going to do anything to me. You're pretty predictable. Okay. Now we start to access more of the seeking system, curiosity, something, you know, that that's going to better their current situation, which can come a lot from the child. Right. And then as they're progressing, then the child can be more involved, but playing with a dog and children is very much something that needs to be requiring a lot of education, slowing down the dog and making sure that the rules are very, very rigid and that the dog doesn't grab the toy out of the hand. Uh, The dog doesn't jump up towards them while they have the toy, all this kind of stuff. The dog backs up, sits down, whatever's, or just backs up and is ready for another round. All very easy and respectable. Yeah. I like that a lot. Cause I think most people's intuition is to say like, okay, how can we have a positive interaction with the dog when that's like often t- it's like a step too, too soon, you know, like we need to go through this exactly. first. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they jump too to like, oh, well, <laughs> and you never know with a lot of dog owners, you never know what they're going to try and do, but they're like, oh, go take his food bowl, go oh take his bone, no, go show him you're in charge. <laughs> And I'm like, guys, guys, we've known this is not a good idea for decades now. Yeah. Um, why is this a thing still? And again, it it depends on your region, where you come from. In some parts of the world, this is still very much a thing. Uh, and there's still parts of the U.S. that are like this. Yeah. And, and even like that goes for things like if your dog is eating, having your kid like drop kibble in the bowl. I don't like that. Either. No, no, no. Like, Still, where are they? Where are they, Lily? Oh, are they in the dog's space? Yeah, I don't right. like that. <laughs> I don't like that. You're breaking my number one rule right there. Right. Nope. Yeah. We just, we no. don't need the kids to be involved when the dog is eating. It's just, we don't need to do that. <clears throat> no. And, and I will say something real quick too. There's seven, and, and this is like something I love sharing is there's seven major resources that the dog finds very, very valuable 
that these aren't necessarily things that you need to control, but these are all instances that you can be aware of that your dog can find very valuable and you can use that to your advantage, or you can know where and when conflict may arise, right? Mm -hmm. And then be just aware of that. And that's water. You'd be surprised how many dogs are actually like aggressive with their water bowls. It's pretty interesting. It's not common, but it's a thing. Water, water bowl, food, food bowl, bones, especially toys. Another big one, certain spaces like their bed, the couch, the bedroom, stuff like that. Attention and affection is a big one. And then freedom. Mm -hmm. These are all things to kind of take into consideration of going, okay, how can we use these to our advantage to help the kid or the dog in any of these possible scenarios? And again, there's, there's just so much to explain there, but at least you're thinking about them now. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, awesome. Well, if anyone wants more information about this, please hit up Dylan. And um, our, one, our last question is going to be where they can find you. So um, yep. no worries about that. Cool. So we have some signature questions that we'll end our episode with Ooh, that we asked all me. the guests. Okay. Um, the first one is if there was one thing you could get every single dog owner to understand, what would it be? And this does not have to be on topic of what we talked about, just yep. anything at all. I mean, honestly, we covered a lot of really great things that I like to convey to owners, like, like just again, the personal space thing, resources, these are, these are just huge. But the one thing I want all dog owners to know is that you are not alone. Hmm. Help is out there. And if you want to help your dog, we want, I said this earlier, I want to help you so badly. Yeah. Like uh, there are so many dog owners I end up working with that, like, you know, they don't really care. They don't put in the work. They want quick fixes. They want things done immediately. And I'm like, look, I'm not one of those trainers. You want it. You want that. You can go down the road and get that. And then I got other people that are like, I want an adventure dog and I want to set them up for success. Or uh, the people that contact me before they get a puppy, I'm like, let's do yeah. this. You're incredible. Let's do this together. But, but help is out there. And, and I applaud those trying to do as much as they can online, but there's still huge added pieces and benefits that you're not going to get. And, and it's what we as dog trainers, it's why we got into this to, well, a lot got into it to help the dogs, but, but the more you train and the better you train, the more you realize this is about the people. This is right. really about the people right? Dogs are easy. It's the people that need all the help that they can get. And you need to have that same empathy and compassion for them just as much as the dog. Absolutely. Yeah. That's mm. really good. Mm. Um, shoot. I'm, I'm a little tipsy too. So I like had something and then it went away. Oh yeah. So even if you're researching online, the moment you start researching online, you're going to, you're going to have a question because like there's conflicting information. Exactly. There's like exactly. all different kinds of methodologies. And it's not necessarily that some of them are right and some of them are wrong, but you don't have the skills to sort through that. And we do. Um, yep. So that's exactly. where we come in. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you couldn't be more right. And honestly, that's what's happening a lot now is I'm getting, I'm getting a lot of great dog owners now. And it's because they're like, look, I've been on TikTok for like three months and like, I got kind of far with some things, but like now I'm just not sure what to do. And I'm having like seven different dog trainers yell at me through TikTok and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, I yeah. hope one of them's not me. I'm just <laughs> trying to be using satire here, but like, I'm here, I'm here to help. Um, and I'll give you a direct path and something to follow that's predictable, easy, measurable. Um, and then you can kind of go from there. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I see that on TikTok all the time where they're like, oh my God. there's so much conflicting information. I don't know what to do with my dog. Mm-hmm. So that's why my TikTok, I try to keep things really simple. Like if you ask me questions about behavior modification stuff, I'm not going to help you with that. But yeah, like I'll teach no. you how to teach a puppy to lay down. Like we can, that's across the board. It's going to be the same, you know? No, and that, that's something I applaud Brett for is no matter what, Brett will answer the people and like give them like a short remedy to like, go do this, go do this, go do this. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you anything. Like we need to work together. Your dog's yeah. biting kids. You need help now. Right. You know, I just, I just want tips. Like, no, we, we got to get this together together. Like, dang. Yeah. Um, no, 100%. That's how that is. Um, so next question, what event in your career has been the most impactful on you? Ooh, it's tough. It, so for me, it was getting into protection sports. Um, so I don't know if you know what Schutzen is, but it's a protection mm-hmm. sport. Um, and I got heavily into that, uh, while I was here in Quebec and it was just so fascinating to watch the opposite of my job huh. and then do it. It's yeah. like, okay, what, what do I do? I make sure that dogs do not express aggression. Don't attack anyone, be calm, cool, collected. I'll take care of everything. It's all good. And then over here, I'm like, I want you to be as bloodthirsty, psychotic, and aggressive as possible because I'm going to get more points for this, but I need you to have control. Hmm. Can you do that? And I'm like, this is the opposite end of what I teach. But if I never did that work, I wouldn't know what true aggression looks like Hmm. because you see a lot of aggression based in fear. But when a dog chooses to aggress, that is aggression. It can stem from fear, but there can be this kind of, uh, you know, pseudo confidence that takes over. Um, And again, space increasing behaviors, if they work, they will repeat them. So uh, yeah, working a lot in the protection, that protection sport was had the biggest impact on me by far because it just helped me all around as a trainer um, and to help others working with their dogs and just totally eliminate that whole idea of like knowing the level of aggression and, and again, how to work with it. Yeah. Did it give you any insight into like, oh, so um, this is how you build aggression. So there are like things throughout the day that kind of accidentally build aggression. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like these little triggers. And again, like, you know, people always love to talk about the mailman, but it's totally true. What happens? Mm-hmm. The mailman shows up, rings the doorbell, dog barks, mailman goes away. Yeah. I, I, ha- I had a golden retriever, loved everyone under the sun, everyone, every dog, every child, never hated anyone except the mailman. <laughs> and for two years, that dog flipped out at the mailman. And the one time grandma was over and wanted to talk to the mailman, doesn't get any more old school than that. That golden got out and tore him apart. And they were like, we have, we can't, but why this doesn't make any sense. I go, okay. Is he created when he's at home? No. Okay. How long has he been? Did he bark at the mailman? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay. He's been practicing that for two years. Yeah. So what, when he got his opportunity, he went for it, right? Yeah, but yep. he doesn't hate anyone. Doesn't matter. Same picture every time. And again, too, like when you're working with aggression, you, you do have to be very careful about what you're reinforcing and what you might want to inhibit, right? And, and I applaud those dog trainers that go, look, I don't work with aggression. That's just not my bag. I don't, I'm not experienced enough in that. I don't do that. Great. Good. I'm glad you're honest with yourself. But like there are others who want to work with these dogs, have yeah. experience 
and know what's possible because it is the more difficult side of the dog training spectrum of going, okay, are we managing this? Is this dog truly dangerous for society? You know, is this totally a misunderstanding? Can the relationship change all this? Can the environment change all this? So it's always something that I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to have that experience. And it had a huge impact on me because even with all the other training I've been doing, it's just like, it's been fun. It's been great. And you know, Oh, I could just manage this and manage that. But how do you actually get to the bottom of helping the dog choose different responses and realize, Oh, I don't need to do that. Right. Right. And it's not like, you don't need to do that. It's like, nah, dude, there's better things to do. Don't, it's all good. Here's what I want. This is, here's clear communication. We're not going to reinforce that. It's all good. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what is the biggest mistake that you've made working with dogs and what did you learn from it? This kind of goes hand in hand with uh, what I just said. I took on a, a huge dog that I was definitely underqualified for. I'd probably been a trainer for like a year at that time. And I had the confidence to work with the dog, but not the experience. Hmm. And that dog turned around on me and, and legitimately tried to attack me and I was by myself. 200 pound dog. And, uh, yeah, that was a very, very scary and dangerous situation. And that was, that was definitely the biggest mistake I made where I was like, I'm biting off way more than I can chew. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm moving too fast. And, but I learned so much from it. And literally all it was, was me just taking the leash. Mm -hmm. That's it. I should have never taken the leash with this dog. And honestly, you wouldn't have known because of the background I got from the, the clients you know, oh, you know, he kind of nipped someone. It was our daughter. It was nothing. And that was it. And he's really great. He's never attacked anyone, blah, 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 blah. The second I took that leash, we went for a little walk and that dog just looked at me and went, nope, boom. And I went, oh my God. Okay, here we go. And yeah, that was, uh, that was a very scary situation. Wow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Should have just taken it way slower at that time. Again, when you don't know, you don't know. Um, yeah. My heart was in the right place to help the people, but I was way out of my pay grade then. Way, 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 way. It, it's so hard when you're a new trainer to like gauge exactly what you're ready for because oh, yeah. there's every situation is so different from every other situation. Like everything oh, yeah. is nuanced and it really just takes that experience. If I was a baby trainer starting over, mentor, 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 find someone that you can just even at least talk with. Uh, I have been training a few trainers uh, uh, as well off TikTok, which has been great just to kind of reiterate a lot of things. Cause that's, that's a lot of what you do when you're baby trainers. You're like, is this the right thing to do? Is this the best way to handle this? I'm not really sure. And, and now just all the different ways that I've accumulated on ways to handle certain behaviors. Like I had someone they're like, Hey, how do you handle puppy, puppy biting? And I wrote like a, a paragraph this long of nine different ways that you could do it. And they're like, and he, and he went to Star Mark too and was like, dude, yeah, okay, I want more of this. Like, where did where's this all this coming from? I'm like, ah, dude, just experience. Yeah. You can't you can't really buy this. Well, you could, but I should sell it. But anyways, yeah, that's that's <laughs> definitely really a big should. thing. You really mm. should. So mm. the way that I got started, my co-host Laura. By the way, I don't know if I said this too, but Laura is just like a super antisocial person. She's really excited about this project, but like doesn't yeah. want to be a part of it. So that's why she's no not here. No um, but she, uh, when I first started training, I was working on Rover, so I did like dog walking, dog ah, sitting, yep. um, stuff like that. And so I worked with a bunch of different kinds of dogs, and then I could ask her you know, like if I, and I wasn't hired to train these dogs, I was just like trying to work with them 
you know, like while they were with me. And so then I could just ask her like, oh, this dog is like guarding the couch. What do I do? You know? So it's like really helpful just to have that mentor person who's willing to talk to you and help you through those things. Of course. Um, But without that, I definitely don't know how I would have figured out when I was ready to like start helping people, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And and your vibe, the vibe that you give off always influences the dog, always influences the dog. Yeah. It's, it's some, some people are born with it. Uh, I had a previous trainer that I was with that uh, had that absolute gift of just like intense and immense intuition and just uh, very, very, very experienced. And, uh, and I, and I learned a lot from her um, that helped me along on my path as well. But, um, but yeah, some people just have it. It's crazy. Yeah. I feel like it's something that I've developed, but I didn't, I didn't come with this. I, I had the passion yeah. and willing to do whatever, but, but learning that is, I feel is, does come with time. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's something that I think makes our podcast so cool is that Laura is really intuitive and I really had to learn how to be here. Like the way that I became a dog trainer was I adopted my first dog and didn't know what the fuck to do. Like, of course. Yeah, yeah. He was just like, oh, we I can swear. He was a monster. Okay. Awesome. Oh I was yeah. Like, I was okay. trying to be like super PG and I'm like, oh. I, feel, I said midget earlier. I didn't mean to say that or offend anyone. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Um, but fuck, I wish I knew that. Damn. Okay, yeah. No, cool. you've, you've not listened to an episode clearly. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm so busy these days. That's uh, okay. No, especially I'm not preparing offended. for that trip. No worries. No worries. Kick. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Yeah. We, uh, we swear like sailors and we get drunk and just, uh, talk about dogs for hours, but, um, as you were saying, as you were saying, (laughs) so I got my first dog. I thought he was a monster. I didn't understand him. Um, and then I reached out to Laura because I knew that she worked with like behavior needs dogs. This is my dog is not a behavior needs dog. He's a very normal dog. I just didn't know what I was doing. Right. Right. Um, Right. But yeah, she helped me work with him. And so ever since then, I just like knew the magic that happened when she taught me these things. And I was like, I want to do that for other people. And so I've been studying my ass off and she's just the kind of person who like meets a dog and just kind of like can communicate really well. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and, and you can't learn that. Like you can learn it to an extent, like how to read certain body language and how to communicate in certain ways. But like, there's just, there are some people who can just do it, you know? Yep. Nope. Completely agree. Completely and agree. it's infuriating. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're like, where is, I can, uh, I swear to God, you know. And I, and I will say, too, like, with the with the puppy stuff you're doing, um, I don't know where you plan on going with that. But because, as you know, like, when you do the socialization with the young dogs, I mean, I could literally watch that for hours. Um, mm-hmm. But when I ran my doggy daycare, that was, like, one of the things that I just got the biggest kick out of was just witnessing all the different relationships they're forming, the social interactions. Um, and I even got to a point where I was having like 20 to 21 to 22 puppies with me all in one group oh my um, gosh. And, and, and being able to work with them in a lot of the ways that they work with each other. And again, kind of controlling the environment and controlling the space, which is my secret sauce, um, <laughs> was just phenomenal, just absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal. You know, and uh, yeah, that's that's something I think you would absolutely love. If even if you can set up a course in your backyard or something, oh my yeah. god, that would go a really really long way. People, I actually knew someone in Maine that does that. They only work with puppies, and it's like a puppy day school, so they don't have them twenty four seven, and they do get weekends off. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> and, uh, I know. Trust me, I did boarding too. Um, so yeah, that would be something cool that you could definitely bring to wherever you're at and not enough people are doing it. 
Not enough yeah. at all. Not oh, enough at all. It's so amazing. I really liked your video where you had the helmet on. I'm like always yeah. adding things to the repertoire because it, one of my favorite things is confidence building. Like I yes. bring out, you know, my, my little power drill and like do, you yep. know, make sounds with it and yep. um, put them on the wobble board. And it's just, yep. it's so fun to watch them go from like, absolutely fucking not to like, Oh, okay, cool. You yep. know, like, Part of everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. It, that is so valuable. And again, too, like it, if you're, you really need to nail down this program and be able to start to offer it to other people because this is such a great program that goes such a long way for breeders and dog owners and not having them be so nervy and reactive and anxious and fearful. Um, and especially because I used, I used to work very closely with a rescue in Maine. Um, and that's exactly what we would do. They'd be, and that's the thing is like, they'd be like, okay, we got a couple really fearful ones in the litter. And I'm like, they're all kind of fearful. You should all right. get them in here. And they're like, but just run right. with these two. And I'd be like, okay. And I'd have them for like a day or maybe two. And they'd be like, what did you do? Like, they're incredible now. And I'm like, I just do what I normally do. Like expose them to things and build their confidence. Like, I didn't think it would do that much of a difference. One day. It does. One yeah. day. I'm like, Especially wow. with puppies this age. Like if you exactly. show them that they can exactly. do like one hard thing, they're like, I can do every hard thing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they generalize so well. Whoever that breeder you're working with, they're very, very lucky to be working with you. And like I said, more of them need to work with trainers and especially rescues. A, a lot of the rescues that, you know, are very against working with specific styles of training. I understand. I completely understand, but you should still find someone to work with, yeah. you know, that you can help so many, you can help so many more people. And especially with no return rates and, and give backs and, you know, bouncing that dog around to more homes and it doesn't need to be in like, oof, yikes. It's, it's definitely something that needs to be more valued. I feel. Yeah. Definitely. This is such an important time. I mean, like I cannot overstress the importance of working with your dog and puppyhood. Like oh, yeah. one of, one of the puppies that I have here now, her mom was kind of debating whether to send her. And mm -hmm. so we were talking about like, you know, what her life is like, and they're like so busy. Um, she was not going to mm. be able to like take her dog anywhere. And I was like, or anything, I was yeah. like, listen, like you have a month, you have a month you have to get her out. And like, that's yep. going to be the most valuable thing I do. Like I'm teaching your cues, yep. honestly, like that that's worth nothing. You can do that at any time, but yep. like, I'm going to show her something new every day. And mm -hmm. that's like the most value that I can provide for you. Absolutely. I'm working with a, I think it's five and a half month old Aussie right now. And this dog still after all the confidence building we've been doing, the marker training and everything is still so sensitive to new environments and environments in general, just being outside and just super captivated and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, we check the health, ears, eyes, everything's good. What's the breeding like? Okay. Backyard breeder. Okay. Whatever. Aussie, we're not going to go there, but you know, <laughs> what did this dog get before it got to you? And like, how old was it? And they're like, oh, well, it was already 16 weeks. And I'm like, e. yeah. And what did the breeder do? What do you mean? I'm like, eee. Like, did they do anything? Like, what do you mean? I'm like, did they have like noises and stuff or did they just, oh, well, they, I think they just had him in a little pen in the backyard. I'm like, oh, okay. This explains yeah. a lot. Oh, you were, you were in the middle of nowhere, no suburbia stimulation, no, no city stimulation at all. Yikes. Like, 
this is a lot for a dog to take on now. And I'm right. not surprised with the reactions that we're seeing. The dog's getting much, much better now. Um, but again, still with the, the, not necessarily novelty, but the, the reaction to every environment. And I'm always just like, really still, wow, we've been doing this yeah. for a couple of weeks. I'd expect more out of her by now and everything. But again, it's that early exposure that she did not get that we're now kind of playing catch up on. Yeah. So. We, we talk a lot on the podcast about our personal dog. So the listeners know my personal dog, Mooney, um, he's the one that I called Laura about originally. Cause I was like, yep. what, what is this? Yeah. Um, but we got him, we rescued him when he was a year old and I didn't know uh, like anything about what kinds of things might come with that. Right. Right. A lot of people don't. Right. Yeah. And I've had him almost six years. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that nice. sounds right. Um, nice. And even to this day, he's pessimistic. Like if he sees something new, I have to convince him that it's okay. Oh, um, yeah. You know, even with all of the things that we've learned throughout the years yep. are okay. Exactly. Still, like yep. when he encounters something new, he's like, I don't know about that. You know? Yep. yep. It's the same with my girl, Skylar. And again, too, a lot of people get dogs not realizing like the responsibility that it is. And like, mm-hmm. I hate saying that and, and, and emphasizing these things because then people are like oh my god it sounds like it's too much for me I'm like no it's not too much it's but you do kind of need to treat it like a child in the fact that you need to build it up you need to socialize it you need to teach it not treat it like a baby but you need to teach it like it's a thing that needs to learn how to navigate our world and that's right. that is always the problem you deal with as a dog trainer it's, it's a, it's a responsibility to get them to get along and deal with our world. Right. It's, it's not enough to just be passive in your relationship with your dog, because again, that's where a lot of these, you know, unwanted behaviors or even aggressive behaviors come from as well-intentioned as you are. The dog is a social status, territorial predator, right? So they have the capability to, to be violent, be aggressive, and also be the best thing in your life. Right. So so again, I always try not to scare people away from the idea of dog ownership, which is like, look, it's just something to take seriously, you know, and, yeah. if, and if you don't have the time, I respect you for committing to that. Even people rehoming dogs for not having the time. I respect that decision. I support yeah. you in that decision. And there are, there can be better homes out there for your dog. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's something that we have talked about on the podcast too. Is like, of course, like, you know, people tend to think that like, oh, your dog is going to wonder what they did wrong. And like, Honestly, I don't know if this like makes you feel worse or better, but like they're never going to think about you again. Like, you yeah. know, like, yeah, <laughs> don't worry exactly. about it. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. They very much live in the moment, you know. Right. Um, and, and honestly, that was that was something that really draw uh, drew me to you um, and, and your podcast. You know, again, I haven't been able to listen to a full episode, but when you shared that that like little nugget of wisdom that you did, it's it's about boiling this stuff down. You know, mm-hmm. the division in the community what does it boil down to on my ethics and your ethics? Right. Right. And I go, and I, and I just sit back here and I go, I've the, the moment I got into the dog training game, that's the school warned me already. Like, Hey, look, here's what you're going to deal with. Here are the different kinds of trainers out there. Here's the spectrum. Here's how it works. And I go, okay. So at the end of the day, what am I? I am a dog trainer. My job is to help the people with their dog if i catered because i i changed my style so many times in dog training where like i i went from using absolutely no food and just play and toys dog Mm -hmm. was too excited i tried 
never, like never giving the dog a consequence and letting the dog do whatever it wanted to do. People had no control. Dog actually became worse. Mm -hmm. I've tried, you know, giving tons of structure. I've tried, tried giving no structure, right? I've tried it all. I've tried purely positive. I've tried no leash, nothing like, and I'm just like, first of all, it all matters to the client, but you as a dog trainer have a responsibility to help these people in the best way possible. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I think people's hearts are in the right places, but, but, but people are changing and the dog hasn't changed at all. In fact, the dog's actually, well, it's changing and not necessarily in a good way. You know, right. I've, I've seen this from, I've heard this from like, you know, Caesar, when he came to the States and saw the difference between dogs in Mexico and here. And then the ethologist, uh, Roger Abrantes, who started the ethology Institute being like, Oh yeah. Oh, I've been working with dogs for over 40 years studying them, their behavior, everything about them. And I've never seen so many behavioral cases in my entire life. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. And he's like, and the, what's changed is the way people live with their dogs. Yeah. Am I recommending we go back to kicking and hitting and yelling at them? No, right. never, never. But some balances and some actions in the relationship to draw personal boundaries and say to the dog, hey, that's not okay. Whatever, however you do that depends on the dog, but it still needs to be taught and understood like, hey, that's not okay. You're not going to have access to that or what have you. If you never have that conversation with your dog and not everybody needs to, people wonder why their dog goes, well, I'm entitled. I run this place. It's like they've never had the, the challenge of authority in that instance. And, and again, even when I say that, you don't have to alpha roll them and do all that BS. It's right. Again, it's something I've clearly thought a lot about and dealt with this debate many, many times, and my rant is over. But, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean. You know what no, I mean. No, no, I'll get, I'll get you started again on it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it totally depends. I've noticed on like where you start, like where you mm. learn, um, mm. because you know, I'm sure Starmark, just because I know that they make that collar, I'm sure they, they're balanced, right? Um, and I started uh, learning at Canine Principles, which is force free. And no matter where you start, they're going to, it's almost like um, indoctrination, like for religion, like they're going to tell you, like other people are going to say X, Y, Z, and this is your response to that. And yep. so then you're just like parroting these ideas that yep. have been told to you as if they're true. But like, if you can like take a step back and kind of look at the whole picture, you could, you could learn something, right? Exactly. Like <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and again, too, you know, I think one of the biggest things that people can't argue with and i and i find this hilarious with us as a species is that we think we know better than the dogs themselves <laughs> we think we know how they should be doing things have you seen how far they've gotten with us and without us they're doing great they're doing yeah. fine they've never really needed us you know we we work them into our world and yet how they operate and how they work has been key since the dawn of time mm -hmm. and again even when i say that i don't saying you need to crawl around on all fours and bark like bark <laughs> at your dog and bite them and growl at them because they don't understand that coming from us they understand this body language but it's not something that we do we are not dogs and they know right. that they know that and one thing i'll i'll even mention all the time too is that you know that the world corrects the world corrects. A porcupine can correct your dog. Uh, a, a strange person can correct your dog kicking them or, or a car can correct your dog. And that's that's dangerous. Right. And we're getting to a point of catering to the dog so much that it's pure negligence. And in, mm -hmm. in my uh, in my eyes, 
and again, too, like I, I'm more than happy to recommend to a client, look, if you don't want to go this route with training and if there, and again, always too, if there's better ways, I'm, I'm the first guy is going to teach me, please. I'm, I'm willing to forgo anything that I've done in the past and go, look, is there a better way? Please teach me. I've right. tried X, Y, and Z didn't work, but is there another way? I don't know. Maybe. Otherwise you can keep the dog unleashed for the rest of its life and it's still going to have a great life. Yeah. Fulfillment is number one. Right. And like enrichment has become this like massive thing uh, thanks to social media, which I love because it is really, really important for the dog and dogs are getting more satisfied. And that's one of the huge ways that um, living with dogs has changed even over the past like couple decades is there are so many more pet dogs and so many less working dogs. And that's where enrichment really comes in is like, we're not fulfilling these things that we bred them for. So we have to like figure out different ways to do that. Right. And they don't have that, that they don't have the same drives as a working dog, but there's, it's still there. You know what I mean? Like the Aussie is not the same Aussie straight out of Australia, but it still has the tendency to want to nip at the ankles or, you know, herd something or chase something. Right. So we want to supplement that as best as possible. And honestly, that's, that's, that's a lot of fun I've had with dogs. Um, in fact, I wanted to start like a canine, uh, a canine like gym, not like, like a, not a weightlifting gym, but like that, you know, sure. where I'm like, I have all the things that you don't want to buy that you can use at my place yeah. for like a specific fee. I got treadmills. I got socialization areas where like you'd have a professional there. I've got weight pull harnesses, spring pole, you name it. Um, slat mills, all that kind of stuff. Uh, just to, just to fulfill the dogs within city uh, limits where I saw that, uh, that like van business where they have like a, they have the slat mills, like two yeah. slat mills in a van. I was like, yeah. man, what an idea that was. Oh, especially in, in places that are like too hot to work outside right now. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Exactly. Okay. Well, we went off on a huge tangent, which is great. I love it. Does. Yeah. <laughs> it, it happens. Um, yeah. so Dylan, where can my listeners find you? Uh, your listeners can find me at www.dogmandillon.com. Uh, from there, you can schedule with me. Uh, the prices that are listed under my services are actually uh, older prices that I do need to change. I actually charge less than that now. Huh. I do offer a free 20-minute consultation just to get started. That's the interview, wink. And <laughs> um, and yeah, that's, that's the best place to find me. Otherwise, you can find me on TikTok under Dogman Dylan, and that's really where I post most of my stuff. I don't I don't do too much on my Facebook business page, um, and I don't do too much on my Instagram either. My Instagram has been a little bit more personal, um, more than kind of advocating for dog training and stuff. But I think that's going to change once I uh, once I get on the road and everything. Awesome, cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dylan. This was really awesome. My absolute pleasure, Lily. Have a good rest of your night, and you as well. Don't drink too much. I'm I'm done now. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Doggeritaville Yappy Hour. We hope you enjoyed your time unleashing and unwinding with our special guest. You can support the Doggeritaville podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, following us on Instagram, and becoming a member on patreon.com slash doggeritaville. Email your questions to us at dogaritaville at gmail.com, which is also where you can send your ideas for episodes or margarita themes. And until next time, give your dog a treat from us.